Now, we're going to work through an awesome passage of Scripture today, and I pray that as we're going through it, we're going to see the glory of Christ Jesus. And it's a lot to take in. It's kind of like looking at lightning, right? It's like, wow. So that's my hope and my prayer. We're going to work through this statement. The statement is, on the mountain, the glory of God is revealed in Jesus Christ, and he is pointing us toward a new exodus that will be fulfilled in Christ's suffering love upon a cross. So, we're going to work through that statement. We are in Luke as a church. So, we are looking at Luke chapter 9. So, if you have your Bible um, or an app, you can follow along. We'll also have the words on the screen. And the verses are 28 to 36. And um, as a church, let's just try something a little different this morning. Let's all rise for the reading of Scripture this morning. So would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? So Luke chapter 9, 28 to 36 on the transfiguration of Christ. So about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, It is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you can be seated. All right. In this passage, we see God's glory revealed. And the question is, what do you do when something is revealed to you? I had an interesting thing happen to me. I decided to go to the barber and change up my hairstyle. So she said, they, people usually don't do this. You usually got three hairstyles. Um, I've, had, I've had that amount, so I'm looking at my fourth right now. Uh, but anyway, I'm sitting in that chair, and I thought, um, you know, I've always had a widow's peak, right? You know, a widow's peak where it kind of comes together here, and I've been watching myself, and uh, my hairline has, has been maturing, as they say. And uh, so I'm sitting there, and then the, the barber gets to this, this point right, right here, and, uh, and says, do you want this just to cover, like forward, cover that area? And I was like, what? That area, I'm balding, I thought? And in that moment, it was revealed, like, other people see this, you know? <laughs> oh, no. So the question is, what do you do, right? And I was like, just leave that bit there. Let's, let's take that forward a little bit. You know, prolong the life of this. And uh, in our passage, the question is, what do you do when you have something revealed to you that Jesus Christ is God? That this isn't just a normal teacher that we're following. 
He's God's glory. What do you do? And what we're going to see here is this amazing passage where where God has a plan for redemption, where we see Christ as divine, and then we're going to see this plan of redemption executed right outside of Jerusalem. And so, let's dive in to our text together, because the disciples are are very similar, I think, to a lot of us in that um, if you've been journeying through the, the Gospel of Luke with us, you'll see that they've seen a lot of cool things about Jesus. They've seen him heal people. They've seen him teach. They've seen exorcisms. They've seen him feed thousands of people. And they've seen him raise people from the dead. And it's like this, all of this is going on. And they're like, wow, Jesus is an amazing teacher. I encourage you to go back and and listen to some of the things we as a church have been journeying through as we've followed Jesus. And now, as they ascend the mountain, his three disciples, they're faced with this amazing, glorious situation, and they have to realize, like, Jesus is God. What are we going to do with this God teacher? And so, let's dive in. We're going to look at this first part of the statement. On the mountain, the glory of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. So our journey begins in verse 28 that Jesus goes up this mountain to pray. And mountains in the Bible are very important places. I nerded out too much. Matthew was like, less mountains, Spencer. So I've taken out a lot of mountains. But they're very important, okay? Because they're, they're where you go to meet with the presence of God. They're held with this sacred significance. So just by going up this mountain, we should be thinking God's about to do something amazing. And so, what happens? Jesus begins to pray. And then as he's praying, his face is transfigured. It's like he's starting to radiate light. His clothes change. They become bright white. Bright, like, divinity signals are are coming out here when we see, think of his clothes as they're bright as a flash of lightning. And then we start to see what this is saying, that God is here because Jesus is here. Jesus is God. And then we see in verse 35 that it directly states, like, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. So the glory of God is being revealed in Jesus Christ, and the question is, are we going to ignore that bit about him? See, Jesus isn't an ordinary teacher. No, he's not revealing some moralistic way to live life. The same word that said, let there be light in Genesis says in John chapter 14, 6 to 7, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. When we look at Jesus, we are looking at the face of God. But this is just the the beginning because God is also in this moment revealing his plan for redemption, a new exodus. So let's jump back to our statement. On the mountain, the glory of God is revealed in Jesus Christ, and he is pointing us toward a new exodus that will be fulfilled in Christ's suffering love upon a cross. So let's look at that middle section. So we've seen Christ's divinity 
And now we're about to see some major connections to the Old Testament. And these connections point us toward a new exodus. And it's important for us to make these connections because without them, we can't see what this amazing scene is pointing us towards. And so we're going to be looking at verses 30 and 31, where Moses and Elijah appear on the mountain with Jesus. So, remember mountains, they're important places. Okay, well, Moses and Elijah, they both have God reveal himself to them on Mount Sinai. Moses, he had finished leading the Israelites, you know, through this exodus through Egypt. They were liberated from slavery and they get to Mount Sinai and Moses ascends that mountain to meet with God. And what happens? Divine revelation. Moses receives the Ten Commandments, the law. And then for Elijah, he too was on Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. In 1 Kings 18, 19, he uh, shows the Israelites who have lost track of of worshiping Yahweh. They're worshiping other gods. He shows them proper worship. And by doing so, he really angers Queen Jezebel. And so she's seeking to kill Elijah. And Elijah flees. And he's told to go to Mount Horeb. This is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And he's told to go on the mountain and stand on it. For the presence of the Lord is about to pass by him. And so what is this showing us exactly? What are we seeing here? Well, we're seeing that Jesus, any mountain that he goes on, is the mountain of God. Any mountain from which he speaks divine revelation comes out. The teaching, new teaching. And so, wherever he goes is the presence of God. But we also have to catch another thing that's going on here that's being said just by the presence of Moses and Elijah. See, Moses was a big figure in the Old Testament, right? And so he led the, the, the Exodus, as I mentioned, and also he's, he's known for the, the law. And so here he represents the entirety of the Old Testament law, and Elijah represents the entirety of the prophets, because Elijah was the major prophet back then. And so, you have both of those things being represented. So, what exactly is the law? Well, the law points to a need for a Savior. The Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Galatians, Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions, until the seed, that is Jesus, to whom the promise referred, had come. And, so, and the prophets, they point toward a suffering servant. They point toward that need. And God, he would fulfill, uh, prophets would fulfill God's intentions of reconciling people to himself and pointing people um, to God's judgment of sin. And so, here we have Jesus, and he's, he's, being, he's representing the entirety of the law and the entirety of the prophets. And we see him in this dazzling white robe, right? And this robe is, is connected to the priestly garments. And so you have a priest there on the mountain that is the mediator between God and his people. And all of this is happening in this glorious moment. And are you feeling just how full it is of these images and these things happening in the Old Testament? And is it maybe if you're new to Jesus, is it a little overwhelming? And if you haven't maybe dived into Bible study, is it, is it overwhelming? 
I feel like it should be. Because isn't it, isn't it like that when you look at lightning? Isn't it hard to take in all of the glory of God in, in a moment? And the question is, what are we going to do when, we're, when we're, we have this revealed to us that Jesus isn't a normal teacher, that he's God, that he's the entirety of the law, the prophets, he's the mediator between God and his people? Well, that's not the end of our Old Testament connections because Jesus represents this new plan of redemption, a new exodus. And so, if we look at verse 31, you'll see a little footnote. They spoke about his departure, which is Exodus, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. So, Exodus, this is a really important term in the Old Testament. And we're going to have a chart, because I feel like every sermon that's good has charts. So, we're going to look at some of these connections, these references from the old Exodus and the new Exodus. And we're going to see just how strongly these moments are, are linked and why we're being pointed towards this being a new Exodus. So let's look at this chart. We have Moses ascending Sinai. We have Jesus ascending this Mount Tabor. We have Moses' face glowing. Jesus' face changes. We have a white priestly tunic. We have Jesus' clothes bright as lightning. We have glory of God being seen. We have the disciples see God's glory. We have the blueprints for the tabernacle, which is the shelter of God's presence. They're given in Exodus. And then we have Peter who wants to build a new uh, a shelter or a tabernacle here. And then, yes, we have a cloud descending upon the mountain and we have a cloud appearing on the mountain. And then we have a voice speaks from the cloud and we have a voice speaks from the cloud. So we have this old exodus and we have this new exodus. So why is this important? What is this telling us? Well, the old exodus is this keystone moment for the Israelites, for the Hebrews. They would realize that when the word exodus is spoken, they automatically think God is redeeming his people and has redeemed his people, right? They were brought out of slavery from Egypt. And so Moses led that exodus. And now with these many links, what we're seeing is that Jesus is actually leading a new exodus, that God has a, a new plan of redemption, and it's going to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. So we're being pointed toward Jesus leading the way in this new exodus. And the question is, where is it all leading, right? So we, we see what's it all pointing to? And we're told uh, Jerusalem and more specifically, it's a mountain or a hill just outside Jerusalem. But before we get there, let's just take a, a moment and wake up because the disciples were sleeping, you know? And it's like, what? Okay, so all of this glorious connection has happened. And then the disciples, they kind of like tune in and they're like, whoa. Peter's like, wah, cha, let's build three shelters. Boom, 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 boom. Let's stay here. It's so good that we're in the presence of God on this mountain. And it's kind of like that, isn't it? When you see God's glory, you know, you kind of want to just stay in it. And it's kind of like that when we give our attention to God where he begins to reveal himself to us. And the question is, do we just ignore this bit about this teacher Jesus being God? Do we try to stay on this mountain or, or will we go 
and join him in this new exodus. And so, in my life, I've seen God grab my attention. And he's done it in, in, in different ways. And he's given me purpose. And I see him at work in nature. And just simply the, the fact that we can understand anything at all, it's, it's miraculous that this universe is intelligible. And so, will I wake up and, and give him my attention? What, I, and I think, like, that's maybe a, a question for us, too. Like, when I think about um, us gathering, it's, it's quite amazing that we come here and we all start to give our attention to God, and God reveals himself. And did you, like, know, like, like people are paying millions and millions of dollars for your attention every single day? It's like, do you ever think that your attention is your worship? As you know, like social media, they want you to keep scrolling. They've got these algorithms to keep you in, engaged. And it's like, God wants your attention. He's, he wants to reveal himself to us. And then I also think about this, this gathering right here that we have in this room. Right? We're, we're, we're giving our attention to God. And I think, well... This is good that we're gathered, right? I kind of want to stay. But it's like, but what also happens if we do stay? Like, if we just stay in this moment in God's presence, uh, I think Luke would say, we do not know what we're saying, right? Because, because everything that is being revealed to us when we're in God's presence is also pointing us towards God's plan of redemption, of what's being fulfilled in Jerusalem. And so I think sometimes if we stayed, I don't think we would see any more people being baptized. I don't think we'd see any new people in our church. Um, and I don't think any of us would, would grow in our knowledge of an understanding of God's grace and his mercy if we just stayed on the mountain, as glorious as it would be. And so what are, what are we going to, to do, right? God is revealing himself to us. He's got our attention. Are we going to start listening to him? And I think it, it, it does seem like a daunting task, right? If you're like, whoa, start listening to Jesus. And you, you, know, you start listening to the things that Jesus says. And you're like, oh, man, this is, this is going to change my life drastically if I start this, if I start on this journey. So where, where do I start? It, it, it's kind of, it, it's like weighty. I don't know where, I don't know where. It's like, well, let's just join at the beginning by placing all we have at this small hill outside Jerusalem where Christ Jesus was crucified, the cross. Let's look at our statement. On the mountain, the glory of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. He is pointing us toward a new exodus that will be fulfilled in Christ's suffering love upon a cross. So remember how mountains were important. Here we have one last mountain where we're being pointed to in this story. It's the place where God's glory is fully revealed in Jesus Christ. And it's here where the new exodus is fulfilled, where it finds its end. And it's here where God's plan for
for a new exodus. This plan of redemption culminates in Christ's suffering love upon a cross. So do you see God's glory here revealed in Christ Jesus? And I don't think we'll be able to if we're, we're stuck trying to build shelters and to, to capture those moments where God reveals himself to us. Because then we're, we're not listening to what God is actually wanting to do in our world. Because the life of, of an apprentice of Jesus is about joining Jesus at Golgotha, the mount where he was crucified. Everything in, our, in, in Scripture is, is pointing us to this climatic moment. But we have to look up to see, right? Because when we look up, we begin to see Christ's love coming down to us, flowing to us, flowing from the, the wounds in his crown of thorns down the cross that hangs him, down the, the sand of this mountain and into every fabric of our world. There's no, there's no place that Christ's love won't grab you. I think sometimes it's about, like, just will we respond in worship by looking up? And it's hard, right? But, but what if we began to do that? What if we began to, to look up, joining Jesus at the cross and looking up? You know, it's so easy for me. I, I felt especially in this season to, to look down and to constantly, because it's like, and I can barely see in front of myself. Things are changing all the time in, in our world, and we've got things happening around the world. And for me, it's like, it, it seems like my attention is just grabbed by, by the, the news of what's happening. And my attention is grabbed by anxiety. My attention is grabbed by worry and through just maybe endless scrolling. Well, I, all, I took off Facebook because of that, because of our last series. I realized I was always in Marketplace, and it was not good for me, just scrolling continuously. And so it's like, what happens, though, when all of a sudden God reveals himself, and he's got our attention, and we look up, and we see him? It's like, all you have to do is look up. Like, if you have these, these burdens and this weight in life, it's like all you have to do is look up and receive what is flowing down to you, which is his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. It's all coming from that mountain, Golgotha. It's all coming from Christ flowing down to us. So what if you looked up this week? What if you looked up instead of looking down. And if you're like, what do I look up at? Well, just join Jesus at the cross. Trust what he says. He, he loves you so much. He, he, he wants to teach you and love you and just show you the way forward. It's like, wait, that means I have to look up. I feel like I need to look down. And, and Jesus is like, no, just look up at me, you know? And I, I think in, in my own life, something that has helped me recently is a short prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. That's it. 
It's like where, if, if, if this week, if, when you're going about your, your life and you're like, oh man, things, things are getting to me. How do I actually start this, this journey of worship where I give my attention to Christ? It's like just, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Start, start there. Maybe that's a, a beginning place where we can begin to look up. And it's, a, it's amazing, I think, once, once we do, because we're going to see the, 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 the craziest paradox of our world. And this paradox is that God, Jesus Christ, is seen on the cross totally weak, right? His breathing is labored. He's suffering. But then we see him absolutely strong, changing our world, pouring out love. And this love isn't just this immaterial thing. It's like it's coming into our lives and it's changing our lives and it's changed the whole fabric of our world. This is amazing. So let's look up together. I have a quote for us from Callistos Ware. The victory of Christ's suffering love upon the cross does not merely set me an example showing me what I myself may achieve if by my own efforts I imitate him. Much more than this, his suffering love has a creative effect upon me, transforming my own heart and will, releasing me from bondage, making me whole, rendering it possible for me to love in a way that would lie altogether beyond my powers had I not first been loved by him. This is the power of, of Christ Jesus in us, my friends, and there's, there's nothing that can stop his love from reaching us. Paul writes that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this journey of apprenticeship to Jesus starts by looking up and seeing his glory on the cross And so on the mountain, the glory of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. And he is pointing us toward a new exodus that will be fulfilled in Christ's suffering love upon a cross. So what are you going to do when this is revealed to you? When God reveals himself to you? When you see that Jesus isn't merely a teacher, but he's God's word? He's God. And any mountain that he goes on is the mountain of God. Are we going to ignore this bit about him? Or are we going to step into trust at the foot of the cross, placing whatever worries, anxieties that we have about our week, about what's going on in our world, about our family, about work, about our friends, about relationships, about things like attention maybe that you're experiencing what what are we going to do are we going to just ignore that this god teacher might actually have this plan of redemption for us and if it's like if you if you grant that and you just come to the cross all we have to do is receive it first it's like the journey of an apprentice is first right there at the cross receiving the love of god and so 
What is it today that you need to see? What is being revealed to you and what do you need to respond to? If there's something, maybe a burden that you have, I encourage you go to the prayer room at the back and just let the team know. Be like, I, I need you to pray for this. This is stopping me from looking up at Jesus. Or maybe you just need to, to hear someone pray for your week and bring your eyes up to Christ. Because in our, in our passage, we see exactly what Jesus came to do as the high priest, as the entirety of the law, of the prophets, the, the mediator between God and his people, this one that leads this new exodus, that executes this plan of redemption on a cross. So, I want to invite you to stand with me as we pray and respond. And so, Jesus, we, we come to you now. Lord, we want to look up. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Help us to look up at your cross and see you. To see your loving face, to see your mercy, your kindness, and your forgiveness just pour out. Lord, there's so many things that want to take our attention away, but, but Lord, we, we know that we... We can't stay here forever. You call us to join you. So Lord, give us your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us. Strengthen us right here at the foot of your cross that we may go forward in your love, this unstoppable love that changes the fabric of our world. Lord, we don't want to ignore this bit, but transform us by the power of your love. Amen.